listening to Coffee with Kenobi. You are the podcast you're looking for. This is. <laughs> Hello and welcome to show number 105 of Coffee with Kenobi, your spoiler-free place for Star Wars discussion, analysis, and rhetoric. I'm your host, Dan Z, drinking coffee out of my black 40th anniversary gold Star Wars coffee mug exclusively from Lucasfilm. Thank you so much for joining me today as we sit back and have some Star Wars conversation. We hope to make you think about the mythology of Star Wars in a whole new way and maybe laugh a little bit in the process. On today's show, Scott Murray and Tyler Wiggins join me as we look at Luke Skywalker's legacy with the addition of The Last Jedi. Michael Morrissey joins us to discuss his new book. CWK newsman Tom Gross will bring us the latest Star Wars news. In the coffee chat, my son Mason shares his thoughts on his very first viewing of the original Star Wars. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite coffee mug, and let's have some coffee with Kenobi. And now, let's see what's brewing in the Star Wars universe this week. Welcome to the very first Coffee with Kenobi of 2018. I am so excited to be here with you. Had an amazing Christmas break and a New Year's full of Star Wars fun and family moments. Got to see the movie again with my mother and my brother, which is a long-standing tradition of ours, all the way back to the very first time we saw A New Hope in the late 70s. And as you'll hear later in the show, I'm very, very excited about this. I got to show my son Mason Star Wars, the original Star Wars, for the very first time. From the very beginning, when I met Mason, I knew that one day I was going to get the chance to show him Star Wars. And I knew it would be special. I just didn't realize how special it would be. I told Deanna about it. And then Mason and I were starting to get ready for the evening, you know, have our dinner and clean up and all that. And I said, hey, I have an idea. And he said, what? And I said, why don't we watch Star Wars today? And he said, really, Daddy? Really? And he smiled and gave me this big hug, and he thanked me right away, which I thought was a great sign. And then he said, when I woke up, I thought it was just going to be a regular day. And I just was really blown away by that because he knew it was special. And we made popcorn, and he sat down real close to me, held my hand for the beginning, and he just kind of stared open-mouthed. And when the Star Destroyer went overhead, Vader's flagship, the Devastator, of course, he was blown away by it, and he actually thought it was just, like I said, he just thought it was going to go on forever, which I thought was so neat. He seemed to pick up all these insights. You know, at the end of the film, he asked me right away, why doesn't Chewbacca get a medal, which I thought was fascinating that he would even think of it in that way, because I don't remember that being much of a thing when the film first came out in the late 70s. And I could be wrong. It's been a while, of course. <laughs> but different things struck him. He loves the Jawas. I knew he loved the Jawas because of the launch bay. And because of different events we've been to with the 501st. He loves the Falcon. He got a huge kick out of the Cantina. He laughed really, really hard at all the monsters. He didn't find any of them scary. He, he just giggled the whole time. And then he loved, and you'll hear him talk about this later, he loved Greedo, and he loved seeing Han Solo trick Greedo. He thought that was very clever. He talked about that probably the most of anything. He was also really excited about the Trash Compactor, and when Vader first walks out onto the bridge in the beginning of the film on the Tantive Four, he actually let out an audible, wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, he is hooked. And that was amazing for me. And honestly, I really do mean this. If he had watched it or didn't want to watch it, or when he did watch, he didn't like it, I would be completely at peace with that because I want him to be his own person. I want him to like what he likes. I want him to be who God made him to be. But as fortune or the force would have it, he loved it, and we've watched it twice now. We played the Escape from the Death Star Kenner board game from 1978. 
We, uh, of course, I gave him all of my Kenner figures that I had extras of, and it's just been great. He's had a lot of fun with it, and I've had a lot of fun with it too. And what I'm really happy about is that he still likes playing Legos and superheroes and playing with his doggy and all this kind of stuff and playing outside when it's not below zero like it's been here the past couple of weeks. So he's still just that well-rounded, sweet little boy, and he loves his Star Wars, and he loved watching it with me. And when it was over, he jumped into my arms and gave me a big hug, and he said, Thank you, Daddy. I love you. That was awesome. And I'll never forget that. To me, that is, again, why Star Wars is the powerhouse that it is in my life, because of the moments it creates, of the moments I remember with my family and friends, and just that feeling you get knowing that you're entering into a different world, and you get to bring the people you love the most with you. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Joining us today for a cup of coffee is the creative director and lead producer of the Assembly of Geeks podcast network, Scott Murray. Hi, everyone. Hello, Scott. Welcome back. Also joining Scott and myself today for a cup of coffee is returning guest and all-around super Star Wars fan, Tyler Wiggins. Hey, hey how y'all doing? Doing great. Thank you both for being on the first show of 2018 for Coffee with Kenobi, beginning our fifth year, which is hard to believe. Nice. It's also hard to believe. Oh, thank you. It's also hard to believe that we have now another entry in Star Wars. And as with all things Star Wars, we've got a bit of a mixed reaction. Here, however, what I want to focus on at the start of the show is Luke Skywalker and his legacy. Now, Scott, I know you, especially Luke, is your favorite character, and we have not had you on Coffee with Kenobi since The Last Jedi came out, but there's a lot that can be said and examined with Luke. What did The Last Jedi do for you as far as your opinion of Luke's arc? Ah, you know, I think there's a part of me that's still trying to figure that out, because Last Jedi left me kind of, while I liked some things, it left me kind of conflicted, and I have a feeling that whatever Mark Hamill's ideas originally were are probably in, more in line with what I originally would have thought was going to happen <laughs> when, uh, when I've heard him talk about, um, you know, some of his own ideas or, you know, how he would have looked upon things differently. Um, you know, I still wonder if death was necessary. Um, although it's really kind of hard for me to jump to too many conclusions, not knowing what his role is going to be in nine. Cause I have a feeling uh, very much like uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, after he died, he's probably not done having um, direct influence somewhere in some form. Um, so what I've really had to do, I'm not necessarily one of those people that if I if something doesn't go my way, that I'm necessarily always quick to like discount it, um, you know, because it's somebody's creative vision and because it's canon, you know, I try to find a way to accept it. So in some ways, I'm working towards that. Um, but I did, you know, I did appreciate how they tried to kind of give him, um, his great moment. And it is kind of inspiring as a, uh, fan, um, as someone who grew up, you know, you know, a lot of people talk about growing up with characters. I grew up with Luke Skywalker. So, um, it was kind of great to see him do what he did at the end, get such a great moment and then see the signs of, how his greatness is inspiring Force-sensitive people well into the future. Um, I think that was probably the best part of the whole thing. I mean, the showdown with Kylo was was uh, 
was really, really cool. Um, even though most of what we saw leading up to that was him kind of being a grumpy old man. Um, so I, you know, I'm as a fan, I'm trying to grapple a little bit still with, uh, you know, things that I was kind of surprised with as far as the direction they went, but I can appreciate at least the effort that was made to not have him just die. And that's the end. Um, and that his legacy will live on and on and on. I mean, at the beginning of even, um, episode seven, you know, Ray and Finn were familiar with Luke Skywalker. He was already kind of a legend. It was just a matter of finding out if everything they heard was true. And now that legacy just continues not only in other ways, but could also help, um, inspire the next level or the next chapter in the rebellion, which is also, I think, significant. Yeah, you've while well, you've got you've hit a lot of important work for us on this uh opening section and I agree with you on a lot of these things. I'm interested to see Tyler, you are fresh off of a viewing of the last Jedi. What did this do for you as far as how you view Luke and how that has impacted uh what he did in Return of the Jedi? It was interesting um because at the end of Force Awakens, we have absolutely no idea how he's going to be, who he's going to be. And then we jump into The Last Jedi and we find out that he has completely shut himself off from the Force and from the world. And uh, he's almost... <clears throat> I don't know how to phrase it. Um, Dark, almost? In you know, the way he's kind of acting towards Ray, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was just a huge shock to me at first, and then um, to find out everything he'd been through with Kylo, for, formerly Ben, and uh, and the reasons for the way he is, and uh, and then just his redemption and uh, helping out with the battle. There on um oh what's the what's the planet on crate yes crate uh, that was a huge moment and I feel like it redeemed his kind of shutting out Ray in the beginning and sure he. He, the thing to me, there's just a lot to look at with Luke, and I think we'll be looking at this for a long time. And I agree with you, Scott, that he, I'm, I have a hard time believing that this is the last we will see of Luke Skywalker because of his connections with the Force. I mean, clearly, he's about as powerful as it gets because earlier in the film, Kylo Ren says, You can't be doing this on your by yourself to Ray because they are able to see each other, even though we're across the galaxy from one another. He said that the strain or the effort would kill you. Well, Luke does it, and it ultimately does end up creating that for him. But there's just so many wonderful parallels between he and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan sacrificing himself so that Luke can escape uh, and start um, be that spark for the rebellion and a new hope. And then Luke returns the favor by distracting everyone so that they can uh, take their spark and become the new rebellion, basically. Because although I haven't officially said that, that seems to be the direction that they are going. So there's that. And I don't know about how the, the both of you, as far as how you felt when you first saw it. But when I first saw this film, when I saw the screening, and 
Mark Hamill appears and they play the spark, the John Williams score. And he has his hood on and he, and he greets Leia and he kisses her on the forehead and he has that wink to 3PL. And that triumphant music is going when he walks out on the crate. And just that entire segment, that 10 minutes or so, is my favorite moments in any Star Wars film ever. I, and when he, when he brushes off his shoulder, all of that, like, I don't understand how you could not be anything but overjoyed with that moment because to me that is the Luke Skywalker moment I've been fantasizing about since 1983 and we got to see it and it's just unforgettable so to me for sure uh, that enhances him because I like the fact that he's human I like that he has foibles and I love that the the meta commentary of you know I'm Luke Skywalker I the Jedi have been deified and he's very much talking to us about our culture and how we view Star Wars and he's basically saying, you need to take a step back because there's more to this. We're getting a little full of ourselves because there's got to be more. So Luke learns to not take his legacy so seriously that he forgets that he still has to be human. And he has, still has to be allow himself to fail, as Yoda so eloquently states in a beautiful scene as well. There's just It's just very, very rich. I mean, you could easily spend the next few months just on Luke and his impact. But I don't think... I wasn't disappointed at all with him, not for one second. And I'm a little surprised by that because I'm usually hypercritical about these sort of things with Star Wars. But I thought it was beautiful because you can't be away for that long and feel like you failed your sister and the galaxy and the thing you grew up chasing after your entire life and be okay with that. I mean, that's to me, that's reality. The, the humanity of Luke in this makes him, a, to me, a more well-rounded character than he's ever been. Is it because he was just so optimistic and so so sure of what was good in the original trilogy and to have him questioning so much and be a little more um, removed from so much, maybe perhaps reckless optimism of some sort? It may be, are you talking about him having a little more of a, you know, um, I guess mature or you know, more, um, what's the word, tried, tried and tested viewpoint of the world Perhaps, uh, well, by this age than what he was know. when he was younger? Not necessarily, because I like that that exuberant optimism. And I like, like, if you ask me to choose between Captain America and Wolverine, I'm going to pick Cap every time, or Superman. Because I like that notion that there is total goodness and that you can have someone that you can count on. So I like that about Luke. I love that in Return of the Jedi. I've always loved Luke. It was when I saw this, and it wasn't until I saw this that I realized, oh, wow, that's a layer I hadn't really ever conceived as a possibility for Luke. And I think I've always needed it, and I didn't realize that I did. So it just kind of, I don't know, just brings him to a new place. For a character you think you can't be surprised by, he surprised me, and that was great. And that might be it. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think I, I get where you're coming from, Dan. Like, in the original trilogy, we never truly see Luke fail and really learn from his lessons. And in this, we see that he has failed in a big way. And he has learned from that lesson and has come to realize and feel really bad about what he's done. Is that kind of where you're... Yeah, in in many ways. I mean, I think as Empire Strikes Back, there's certainly a lot of mm -hmm. failure there, but but right. not but not something where he feels like 
in this, he felt like he kind of let down, he lost, he loses his innocence. But in, in the last Jedi, he feels like he let down the order. He's trying to, you know, in this way of life, this way of living and, and more importantly to his sister. Now, uh, kind of switching gears a little bit. I, I feel like this, uh, these stories that are being run all over the place that Mark Hamill didn't like the last Jedi. I find that to be erroneous and, and false. He never said he didn't like it. He said when he first received the script and read it, he wasn't ready for that. He wasn't sure he liked where Luke was going to go with that. But then he talked to Ryan Johnson a lot, and he portrayed it, and he kind of, and kind of enveloped himself in the role. And now he does like it. I mean, I, is it his favorite one? I don't I don't know. I haven't asked him. <laughs> I wish I could. Um but I, I don't know. I, I find that to be a bit uh, misleading when I when I hear that. I never heard that he disliked it. I, I heard that he had he's made it more than clear there were creative differences in what was going to happen with Luke. Although I think there were creative differences. Obviously, it surprised him what what Luke did and didn't do in Episode Seven. I mean, he he's joked before that uh, when the when he was reading through the script of Episode Seven and the the lightsaber came flying out of the snow. <laughs> he thought he was going to be the one standing there and lighting it up and not Ray. <laughs> which would have been um, great. Yeah, which would have been a, quite the scene, too. Um, no, I've just heard that there were creative differences. And, then of course, there was the moment where he said that's not his Luke Skywalker. And then he had to come back and kind of apologize for saying that. I mean, it's it's clear that, you know, there was creative differences. But in the process of apologizing for that, he said that, you know, this is nothing new when you're working on a on a project like this or a film that there are different visions um but at the end of the day what's admirable is they went ahead and made the film i mean because you you read all kinds of stories about people both on the actor side and the production side that leave because of such creative differences at the end of the right. day these two were able to f- able to still make the film that Ryan wanted to make and i think that's really the important thing that uh, comes out of all of it. I mean, they sure. made it clear in the very beginning that this was going to change a lot of things that we're used to seeing and knowing and feeling about Star Wars. And I remember when we talked about this on the Geek Supreme not long ago, leading into that film, that I you know, I actually brought that up, that this is going to change what we've always known. And Jeff actually at one point in time said, is it really? Because, <laughs> you know, it was kind of hard to imagine something happening that could really just completely turn what we've what we're used to in these films on on uh on their heads but uh that's what it did in a lot of ways and i think there's that's why there's so much uh discussion and debate surrounding um you're being too kind you mean don't you really mean angst and and wailing and gnashing of teeth yeah (laughs) yeah i mean you know i mean there are i mean just like just like um i would say just like the prequels you know they're yeah, there are definitely some things that I think are legitimate um, complaints or, sure. Things, oh, sure. you know, that or things that, you, you know, thought could have been done better. Uh, at the end of the day, it's how we discuss them and, you know, not start to get get personal and then challenge how much of a fan you are. And that that's when it starts to get absurd. <laughs> right. And I think where I saw this, I was I was patrolling YouTube today and kind of checking things out and. You know, CWK coffee break, uh, what kind of comments I was getting. Cause we've been getting a lot of wonderful comments on them. And there was, you know, how on the side, it always says to you, you, you know, recommends videos that said, 
Mark Skywalker, or Mark, Mark Skywalker, it said Mark Hamill hated The Last Jedi, and it had over 3 million views. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where this sort of came about. I yeah. Mean, that, that This is kind of running. I mean, it obviously worked clickbait-wise because it had over 3 million views, but such, such is life, I suppose. It does, it does, and in the end, it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the film in any way because I don't really, you know, like both of you, I don't really need someone to tell me it's okay to like it or not like it. I just know how I feel, and I loved it. And if you didn't love it, that's fine, too. Well, that's what's tricky about the Internet and frustrating about the Internet. I don't think Mark ever said that, but in this day and age, you don't have to say it for someone to say you said it. <laughs> they can just take something else you said and goes, well, that means he hates it. Uh, it will certainly add to some interesting conversation. So we will go ahead and take our first break, and we will return with Michael Morrissey. This is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Oh, pasta cream, would you? Coffee with Kenobi is sponsored by the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collecting App from Tops. If you love Star Wars and love the excitement of chasing your favorite Star Wars collectibles, the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collecting App from Tops is for you. Download the free app from iTunes or Google Play and collect your favorite images from the classic 1977 Star Wars cards to the Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, and much more. Collect and trade with friends new and old through the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collecting App from Tops. These are the cards you're looking for. Let's talk about the Coffee with Kenobi Patreon page and what that means for us as well as for you as members of our Coffee with Kenobi family. But before we do, I'd like to give a very special shout out to Tyler Wiggins, Ben Elkington, Terry Lee, Dennis Keithley, Aaron Harris, Angela Souse, Mediocre Jedi, Christian Dale, Jason Hall, Brian McKinney, Jim Capron, Connie Shee, Mike Audette, Jared Cantor, BJ Smith, Eric Struthers, Nick Deco, and Mark Suter. The thing about Coffee with Kenobi and why we have a Patreon page is because there are a number of expenses that come up when you try to run a podcast, a web page, a YouTube channel, anything that is a part of the creative process that helps you get more involved in your fandom and help spread the word to other people so they can get inspired as well. And as I mentioned, that sometimes costs money. And I'm talking about things like hosting your web page, the microphone upkeep, the cables, when you have computer problems. All of these things have certainly been a factor of coffee with Kenobi over the past four years. There are also things we can use the Patreon contributions for, such as travel for airline, hotels, food, and transportation. And I've been very fortunate to do a lot of traveling, especially over the past year, from Coffee with Kenobi, and a lot of that is because of your generosity. And you get incentives, too. For $5 a month, you get recognition at the start of each show and receive a follow from us on Twitter. $10 and up, you get access to our Discord page, and it's basically a message board, and there's a great app for it that's very accessible. And as we get closer and closer to the end of Rebels, as well as Episode 8, Star Wars The Last Jedi, there's going to be so much to talk about. 35 and up, you get coffee mugs, t-shirts, and depending on how much you contribute a month, you can co-host one show, two shows, or an entire month of shows, and which is four since we are weekly, of course, and it's just you and me and one other guest, and we'll be talking Star Wars and running the show, so you'll get to see what goes on and how to make this podcast happen each and every week and be a part of the creative process and what topics we come up with. There are a lot of great opportunities there, so if, you, if you're interested 
please email me at feedback at coffeewithkenobi.com or check out our Patreon page, which you can find on our show notes and at the top of our webpage. Thank you so much. We're back and Michael Morrissey joins us. Michael is the author of the new book, Black Star Renegades, and he's also a writer for StarWars.com. Michael, welcome to Coffee with Kenobi. All right, thanks to be here. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on, sir. I've, I've admired your writing for a while, and this is great because you and I have both seen The Last Jedi, so we can talk about that as well. But before we do, tell me sort of about your history as a Star Wars fan and how that led you to writing works of fiction. Yeah, sure. Um, that's a great start. Um, so like so many people, I'm sure, you know, like you as well, and friends that we have, you know, I started young, you know, I'm in my, um, I'm, I'm going to call it mid thirties, <laughs> but I'm in my mid thirties. So I grew up with Star Wars. I grew up with the trilogy. Uh, actually empire came out a month before I was born. Um, and it's been in my life forever. I mean, I think really star Wars taught me, star Wars taught me a lot, but if we're talking about just about being a writer, star Wars taught me how stories function. Like everything I know about stories, I have learned from, from star Wars, how, you know, New Hope sets, you know, exactly a three-act structure that, you know, Campbell, 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 Ilian, um, hero structure, hero mm-hmm. myth, that Empire kind of deviates from that, and Return of Jedi is another thing. Like, it just taught me how to follow the rules, how to break the rules, how to understand and process myth and the culture around you. And, you know, so much that I learned. And it's also, you know, a personal, you know, history, personal experience, you know, it's very, very meaningful for me growing up. It's very meaningful for me in my, you know, spiritual upbringing with everything about the Force, with everything with those characters who I love. So just at so many levels that Star Wars is profoundly uh, important to me. And, um, you know, it, that's translated. There's no way for me to not, you know, have that affect, you know, who I am and, you know, what I do. Exactly. And, and I like what you said about it, sort of crafting rules because there are certain, certainly when it comes to myth, storytelling there are certain things that we follow and they're all kind of related to archetypes anyway and your new book which i mentioned at the top of this interview is called black star renegades tell me about uh the book sort of overall how you came to that and and how that uh, borrows from archetypes as well sure yeah i mean it's it's um it's borrows from those archetypes it's a myth-building sci-fi adventure that you know, you can easily say it follows in the tradition of, you know, Star Wars, or if you want to go back to Flash Gordon, or even more recently, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but the story follows uh, a guy named Cade Sura, who gets a hold of the most powerful weapon in the galaxy, and with it, he has to band together with a group of misfits and overcome the evil galactic uh, kingdom that's controlling everybody. And like you said, it follows archetypes, but I think it also subverts them uh, as well. Um, and I think, you know, as we talk about Last Jedi, I think there's some, there's some uh, similarities between the two. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. It's following some archetypes, but also breaking them as well. Right, which I think is important. And that ties uh, really well into The Last Jedi, because we've obviously, as we said, seen the film. And I must say, and I've talked about this on the show already, but it's really become much, much more polarizing than I expected. I knew it would be there would be some growing pains with it because it is certainly a different kind of Star Wars film. But what is before we get into the criticisms of it, what is your overall uh feeling of The Last Jedi? 
I loved it. I mean, I loved it. I, I thought, you know, in terms of like what it achieved in sort of setting a new template, setting a new storyline um, with these new characters and how they're going to, in the future, distinguish themselves from the past. I think Ryan Johnson did a great job. I think he did a great job of being like, here's what the past was, here's what we're going to be, and we're moving forward. I think it was respectful and very uh, beautiful and poetic the way they you know, dealt with the past and Luke and Leia and all those sort of things. But I think it's time to, to grow beyond it. And it's, it's essential, in fact. Um, I thought the story was great. I mean, I loved seeing the, seeing the characters and, you know, what, where they went and what they did. There was great additions with Rose and, um, you know, with the, <laughs> even Benicio del Toro's character I thought was fun. Um, so, I mean, I think it succeeded in doing what was necessary to do. There, there's something that's interesting about Star Wars because it is in many ways, it's like a comfort food but the greatest myths, the greatest stories, the things that last the test of time and beyond are the things that, that make you challenge sort of your expectations and your beliefs and make you sort of evaluate life. And I think a good myth does that. And we see that with Black Star Renegades as well as The Last Jedi. Do you see any comparisons between the two and how they kind of push the genre forward in a very positive way? Yeah, you know, it's funny as I was watching... Uh, it didn't really hit me the first time I saw Last Jedi, but the second time I was kind of like, I was like, oh, we're really, we're really talking about the same things here. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it's good, though. But I think that, like, the main thing, and this has always been at the core of Black Star Renegades, is that um, it's about deconstructing the Messiah complex. You know, that one lone hero is going to come and save us all. And, like, really that is the heart and soul of Black Star Renegades is subverting that idea and breaking down this belief that we need just one all-powerful person to to lift us all up. And I, I don't think that's true. I think that, like, we're better together. We're better as a community. We're better when we're all pulling in the same direction. And I think that's a lot of what Last Jedi does. It could, it's rejecting the idea. Luke rejects the idea that, like, you know, when he says, like, well, am I going to stand with a laser sword and take on the whole First Order? He's the idea is preposterous when you really think about it. I mean, there's something really valuable to that and the way that it carried the original, you know, trilogy and stuff like that. So it's not a, it's not a meaningless thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's also something that is important to grow beyond. And Black Star talks about that. And Last Jedi talks about that as well. And it's moving in a positive direction where it's more about, you know, as we're, as we're moving to a more diverse world, a more inclusive world, which are obviously great things. I think we need to, understand that idea that we all hold a certain power within us and we take that power and combine it and it becomes something truly monumental something that can change the world or change the galaxy or however you want to define it well said and this is also neat because luke very much there's a lot of meta commentary both on luke skywalker in popular culture as well as in the world of star wars so which i think is cool but there's been so much pushback uh and problems people have with Luke. And I, I, to me, I think there's a lot of reasons for this. One of them being that we think we know him so well because we've lived with him since 1977. But to see him older and vulnerable and very, very human, and as you said, deconstructing kind of the, uh, the Christian or the Christ metaphor, because he's basically saying, look, I'm not perfect. I'm not a Christ figure. I'm a flawed person. And I'm having a hard time accepting it. And clearly, so are audiences. What do you sort of make of all this? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I wrote something about that just for my own 
website because I had to, I didn't really wrestle with Luke. You know, it took me a while. Like when I walked out of the last Jedi, I was like, I was sort of bummed, you know, about where he had, where the film had taken him. And not in a way, I think a little bit different from most people. I, I, I just, I think that my, my problem was what I wanted to see, like in terms of like what he imparted to Ray. And I wanted to see more of them being meaningful to each other in some way. Um, and I'm still kind of like on the fence. I'm like, yeah, I wish, I wish both of them would have benefited more from each other in some way. Um, but I do think that at the core of like what people are, like what people are saying and reacting to is about like who Luke is and what he's supposed to be. But I like the idea that like, like so much of last Jedi, it strips away a lot of stuff and it strips away, you know, Luke being, you know, the Jedi Master, Luke being the son of Anakin, Luke being the son of Vader, you know, Luke being the, the galactic savior, all that stuff. And it reverts him to like just a just a poor farm boy. Like that's all he was. You know, when he really started, when he started this journey, he started as that. And that's the core of who he was. And like there was that beautiful poetic moment, you know, I don't think I'm spoiling much, but you know, when you see the boy with his, you know, broom lightsaber. It's a nice mirror of that. Like, it's just about, like, an or- ordinary person. Yes, he has something more special about him with the Force or whatever, but it's less about that bloodline and lineage and history and expectations and more about just who Luke was, who Luke is. And that's, I think that's what the film was telling us, is that that boy in Tatooine, that's what he was, and that's really what was most important about him. Right. The, the whole, I really, that's really well said, really smart. This, the whole thing is about identity and, and kind of coming to grips with your identity and being at peace with who you are, not because of your parents or because of the force, because of who you are as a person and, and your inward journey. And if it makes you feel better to me, not for one second that I struggle with Luke. And I think it's because they did such a, an outstanding job of, of showing us. And Yoda beautifully encapsulates this when he says, failure is the best teacher. So Luke and Ray, in many ways, kind of fail each, each other uh, as far as their preconceived notions of that. And much like how some people are struggling with Luke in the film. But that's the point. You know, it's, it's not all wine and roses. And I think also, ironically, everyone who complained about The Force Awakens, as far as it's too much like this, A New Hope, now everyone's so upset that it's not more like something they're used to. And I just find that <laughs> I know. an interesting juxtaposition. <laughs> I know. I know. Thank you, Internet. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, now everyone, you know, it's like, it's weird. I mean, like, it's a weird dialogue that exists within the Star Wars, you know, fandom. And, you know, part of me, I get it. Like, I know, like, I see what people are upset. Like, for, there's some justifiable reasons. If you're going to talk to me about, like, you know, you see stuff like, it was too diverse or it was too challenging or something like that. Like, I don't want to hear any of those things. Like, that is not a real discussion but you know i feel like it's still good to have a healthy dialogue about the things we see about entertainment what these things mean and that's good that's totally great but a lot of this stuff is kind of hard to wrap your head around especially you know like you said like on one hand it's too similar on one hand it's too different like well you know you can't always what what exactly do you want that as a fan then you have to kind of evaluate what it is that you expect from these stories True. And and truly, it's it's just fan anxiety, trying to control things that you can't control and having a hard time making peace with that. So we we basically have to become Jedi in our fandom. And it's hard. It's hard because we love this and we're so close to it. Michael, it's been such a joy 
speaking with you and, and I strongly encourage people to go out and, and check out your amazing new novel, which we'll have a link to. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to ask you a question or just say hello? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, you know, at Michael Marisi. My, my website is michaelpmarisi.com. Um, I always try to respond to people. So, you know, I try to be as you know friendly and responsive as, as possible uh, with as time allows. So always feel free to tweet at me or Facebook message or, you know, or the case may be, and I will, I will get to it. Might take time, but I will get to it. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, and be sure everyone to go out and purchase Black Star Renegades and, and let Michael know what, uh, what you think of it. Michael Maurice, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, Tom will have news. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Greetings. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. The Star Wars digital card trader collecting app features incredible images from many aspects of the saga, including the original trilogy, the prequels, the Clone Wars, Rebels, The Force Awakens, and Rogue One. It's the quality you have come to expect from Tops. It's also easy to get into and really fun, too. Your favorite Star Wars characters, scenes, and moments are in every pack. To get started, download the app for free from iTunes or Google Play, and then be sure to open the app each day for free credits to spend on card packs from the cantina. Plus, if you can't get what you're looking for, there's a place to trade with your friends as you complete your Star Wars collection. And if you're an experienced collector, there are exclusive cards, special inserts, and autograph opportunities for you to enjoy. Don't worry about missing the cards and sets you want either as you can sign up for notifications right on the app. The Star Wars Digital Card Trader collecting app from Tops can be downloaded for free from iTunes or Google Play. Be sure to download the app and start your collection today. The Star Wars Digital Card Trader collecting app from Tops is available now. And remember, these are the cards you're looking for. Welcome back. We're here for our new segment of Coffee with Kenobi. Oh, well, Happy New Year. It's great to be back. And tonight we start the news with a synopsis of the upcoming Solo, a Star Wars story film. StarWars.com released a short synopsis of the film this week. And what we learn is that this story will tell of Han's experiences in the criminal underworld. And how Han, of course, meets his co-pilot, Chewbacca. We also, seems that we'll learn that Lando Calrissian has always been a scoundrel. We knew that. But maybe more specifically, a, quote, notorious gambler, according to the short summary. Now, one element that's missing is no mention of a particularly famous starship. Really? Hmm. I, I, why did I think? I, I Maybe it was something that Ron Howard had said, or Scott, help me, help me out with this. Wasn't, didn't I say, didn't someone, Iger or somebody say something about the Falcon? I mean, it's not in the synopsis. Like you mentioned, Tom, but wasn't there something at some point said about the Falcon? I think there was a set picture at some point in time taken inside the Falcon, I thought, or or at least some sort of picture involved the Falcon at some point in time. Well, I know that they, they've made, made no bones about telling us that this is going to be the first film to actually show what happens when you walk up the ramp of the Falcon, and, and that's going to be kind of fun, too. <laughs> so, so the synopsis doesn't give us much. But it certainly gives us where we're at in his timeline. I mean, I knew that we would see the early onset of he and Chewbacca and to know that we're going to actually see how they meet and his obviously his early relationship with Lando. I don't know if it's when they first meet. It's a little unclear. It just says encounters on Toys Gambler. So maybe it is when they first meet. But I think this sounds glorious. I mean, I had a conversation with uh, some good friends today that there's already uh, like GQ and 
some other sites are saying that this movie is already doomed to failure and, yeah. and blah, blah. And I, I, I'm sorry, um, but I think that's one of the most absurd hyperbolic things you could say about a film that none of these reporters have seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're keeping it close to the vest because there was a little independent film called The Last Jedi they were trying to promote. And that seemed to go very, very well financially and, and otherwise. So I think it's just really silly. I mean, we, we've become kind of an anxious fandom, haven't we? Where we're very concerned and worried that things are going to be bad all the time. And I don't really know where that comes from because before The Last Jedi, there wasn't really major criticism of anything Star Wars since 1999. Yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I mean, everybody, everybody's an expert. <laughs> or everybody wants to be able to say, I told you so. And be able to yes. go, see, look, we called it five months ago. This movie was going to fail. So I think that's really all it is. I mean, um, the, the other thing that's kind of interesting about that, I saw this, you know, with with Wonder Woman, too, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, everybody was railing everybody, everybody else's timetable as far as when the company was supposed to start promoting it. If it didn't fit their timetable, it meant Warner Brothers was scared of the movie failing. And that's what I started to see reports of was like, well, they haven't started promoting Wonder Woman yet, and they probably should by now. But since they're not, that obviously means it's it's a train wreck. And of course, now we know how Wonder Woman turned out. And I think that's what's happening here. You got these people who think they should have seen something by now. And the fact that they haven't seen anything means that Disney's scared to show you anything. And, you know, they hadn't been paying attention to the fact that Disney's been in the film business for a little while. And they have a full you know, roadmap, I'm sure, as to the best time to drop A, B, or C in order to maximize publicity. So, you know, yeah, let this movie leave the theaters, then everybody's going to be wondering what's next, and then then they'll drop it when they're ready. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it tends to be when it's not fitting everybody else's timetable that clearly uh, the problem is on their side. Yeah. Right. Tyler, what do you think about all this? That synopsis sounds sounds great. I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited for Han Sol- Solo, no matter what. And the thing with everybody saying it's gonna be a failure. I mean, we've had those fans for a long time now. I mean, and I've just gotten to the point to where I just take everything negative with a grain of salt and go in with my own excitement and my own expectations. Right. Sounds wise to me. Tom, how do you sort of take in all of this? Yeah. You know, I kind of, I I agree with uh, Tyler there. You know, critics, this is the way I've always seen critics is, is I, I take their words for, for what they're worth. And I always remind myself that they're there to, you know, make money for a magazine or a newspaper or a website or something like that. And so that, so that is what it is. But when I saw this summary, number one, I wasn't terribly surprised by any of it, but number two, I was, I was, I felt good because it's exactly what I want to see. Now that's a selfish stance, but I I think, I feel like a lot of us, isn't this, isn't this what we want to see? We want to see how Han meets, how Han meets, meets Chewy, and and what kind of underworld was there? Um, criminal underworld was there? Or what was it like for Han Solo? You know, what 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 brings him to the table of the rebellion and makes him a reluctant participant? And I and I, I feel like while the summary doesn't go quite to answer all my questions, it, it sure is a fine lead in. Oh yeah, 
I'm wondering when did when did we start pinning anything relevant on a summary? I know. <laughs> I that's the thing well that said. really floors me is I've never I've never seen the Twitter sphere go nuts when a freaking summary's been dropped. Going, oh my God, check out this summary. You know, <laughs> I mean, you look at any summary for television or film, it, it's pretty one dimensional. And that's intentional. It's just, it's, it might as well be the first two or three sentences of a synopsis of a longer synopsis. I've never, I've never known any summary to be something that got me fired up because they've never told you everything you need to know. And then suddenly we're all looking at this summary and acting like this is doing something that no other summary has ever done, that every summary up to this point has been completely awesome and mind-blowing, and for some reason this one isn't, and we should all be scared to death over it. (laughs) And I don't understand that because I've never looked at a summary and felt like I was getting the whole picture ever, other than just bare bones. What did people want to hear that would have uh, completed their wish wishes for what's going on because i don't understand what yeah right yeah and uh, i i gazed a link to the film yeah <laughs> i mean honestly right. i mean it's going to be about han solo meeting chewbacca and lando calrissian 10 years ago did you think you'd ever see something like this no this is awesome and i mean as long as it's not um pacific rim it's going to be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, our next story comes from China, where, according to The Hollywood Reporter, The Last Jedi has been pulled from theaters. After a disappointing opening weekend where the box office brought in just over $28 million, which is less, by the way, than the opening of Rogue One in that country, the film has been pulled because it hadn't even topped $50 million by this point. But on the bright side, the opening in China did help put The Last Jedi over the $1.2 billion worldwide mark. So, I mean, clearly Disney's a bust, right? And they're going bankrupt. I mean, this is just terrible, tragic news, it's right? The worst. The yeah, worst. I'm, I'm devastated. <laughs> no rational person ever. Look, this is a whole different culture. It's a whole different market. And uh, Adam Bray said it beautifully on Twitter. Look, to to tap into that market, you have to create uh, certain criteria and certain film for that for that culture of people. And that's that's cool. I mean... There are certain things that cross over and there are certain things that aren't. And that's great. This is what makes our world so unique and so wonderful because we have so many different kinds of people who like so many different kinds of things. This is just this is just trivia to me. Well, clearly, whatever the summary was for The Last Jedi in China didn't resonate with anybody. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Do you put any stock in any of this, you guys? No, I don't tend to I don't tend to overlap overanalyze that stuff that's for the studios to do <laughs> you know yeah yeah i don't know the i don't know the historical background on china's relationship with star wars but my feeling has always been that it's been a little lukewarm um and i, I believe it probably is well after it came out i thought maybe i should have said something but um <laughs> no i i just i i just I, I to say write it off means that I'm dismissing it, but I, I figure it, I guess it's, it's just a, it's a cultural, uh, it's a cultural difference. Um, you know, when we look at, uh, the myth of the story and, and all of that, it, it, maybe it just doesn't resonate. And to me that, again, this is another learning moment to learn about, okay, so it's different for this culture. Why, 
what what does what is appealing to the culture of the Chinese people? That to me that opens up wonderful conversation and opportunities for education. And that's that's to me that's great. To me that's awesome. And I, I would love to find out, you know, for a, a typical Chinese audience, what is it that they want in a film or a Star Wars film, and where does it not kind of hit them? And I, I just think that's I think that's fascinating. That'd be an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, quite honestly, the original films never got a wide release in the country anyway. And when the first one came out, China was deeply impoverished and only was beginning to recover from the ravages of a cultural revolution. So it just wasn't there from the beginning, which is obviously an important part of that. Well, and finally, uh, last story for the evening is for those of you skilled customers, and I know we have a lot of 501sts that listen to the show, Novos announced that they are taking pre-orders for the ADAT, or A-T-A-T, Pilot Helmet Accessory Kit. The kit retails at $299, and according to the Novos website, it includes a 34-part kit that requires trimming, cleaning up, painting, and physical assembly. But if you are like me... You can get the ready-to-wear helmet from Anovos for a nice price of five forty-nine. Oof! Well, that that's a hefty price tag, but I can tell you from having the armor for the uh, original trilogy stormtrooper armor. Uh, for one thing, get the completed helmet if you're going to spend the money because it's way worth it. Because the trimming and all that kind of stuff is is uh, daunting. But as always, Anovos makes these things that are works of art that you can actually use uh, for a costume. So Scott probably has it on order, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ordered twos just in case I wanted seconds. <laughs> sure. You lose one. <laughs> See, I'd, one have to, I, I'd have to order two. I'd have to order two because I'll mess one up. <laughs> exactly. No, I wish I wish I had the time and the dedication to put that that sort of thing together. I mean, unfortunately, the extent of my cosplay in recent years has just been is just going to hot topic and getting that resistance jacket that looks kind of like fins and kind of like the one Cassian worn and feel like a resistance fighter wearing that around. <laughs> and for Tyler, he's got his Chewbacca stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's. That's the the extent of mine. So if, if money were no object, just a t-shirt. Oh, the, which is which is good. And, you're, and Scott is Mister T-shirt anyway. What's your t-shirt total now? Would you say, Scott? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I have enough to last for a few days. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Man, you're being modest. So if money were no object, what would all of you get from a Novos if you could get um, some sort of a some sort of helmet. Uh, so we're talking helmet. Any any sort of like bucket from you know the stormtrooper line or Vader or Kylo anything. Because personally, I think I'd get the the shore trooper from Scarif. I think those are pretty I, amazing. You know, I've always nothing against Boba, but I've always I just really thought Jango Fett was just a really cool looking Mando huh. um, suit. I mean, I still have my. It's kind of like a Letterman's jacket from Star Wars Celebration Two with Django oh, yeah. and all the clones behind him. And I just love that because I just thought Django was one of the coolest looking uh, characters. Um, he is. So, so I'd be kind of drawn to Django Fett. I don't know if they have that, but <laughs> that was the first element that came to mind. What about you, Tyler? I think I'd probably go with either um, a Death Trooper or the Shore Trooper. Yeah, two two great. I would have picked Death Trooper for my number two pick too. So yeah, I I think those are pretty great. What about you, Tom? 
Oh, I'm just kind of I'm browsing their website because I wasn't sure what they had, but uh, <laughs> I, that, but what initially came to mind is I think having the uh, the um, the Royal Guard, uh, Palpatine's yeah. red red troopers, but they, they don't appear to have those. So I think I would have to say, um, Dan, I'm on board with you on that shore trooper. Or no, I'm look actually I'm looking at the tank, uh, the the tank. Oh trooper. yeah, that one's pretty cool. So I'll I'll go with that one. Good, good job. Well, I will certainly pass all of your uh, wishes to Anovos, and we'll cross our fingers. How about that? Sounds great. All right. Good deal. Well, thanks, Tom, <laughs> for coming on. You, you bet. My pleasure. We are going to take a break, and when we return, I'm very excited about this next segment. My son, Mason, is going to join us to talk about his very first time seeing the original Star Wars. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Coffee, tea, or me? Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's Coffee with Kenobi. Coffee with Kenobi was also sponsored by the Star Wars digital card trader collecting app from Tops. If you love Star Wars and love the excitement of chasing your favorite Star Wars collectibles, the Star Wars digital card trader collecting app from Tops is for you. Download the free app from iTunes or Google Play and collect your favorite images from the classic 1977 Star Wars cards to the Clone Wars. Star Wars Rebels, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and now The Last Jedi. Collect and trade with friends new and old through the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collect app from Tops. These are the cards you're looking for. Hi, this is Mason Dioni with Toffee Kenobi. This is a really, really special recording for me because obviously anyone listening to this knows I'm a huge Star Wars fan. You're a huge Star Wars fan. You're listening to this podcast. You love Star Wars. You've been talking about it with your friends and your family for a long time. So have I. And on January 1st, 2018, I had something incredibly special that I wanted to have happen my entire life. I wanted to show my son Star Wars. And we did, didn't we, Mason? Yeah. So, tell me what you thought about Star Wars. It was so cool. Tell me what you liked about it. Everything. Really? Is there any certain parts that were your favorite? No. Are you sure? What about, is there any parts that made you laugh? Every part. Some parts. Remember what, there was a part, remember when they meet Han Solo and Chewbacca? Mm-hmm. What did you do when you saw those monsters? Laugh. Yeah, what was funny about it? Um, I liked um, about all the monsters. I liked how Han Solo Tricking Greedo. <laughs> Tell me what he did to Greedo. He blasted him. He was getting his blast already under the table. <laughs> For those of you listening who obviously can't see this, Mason put his head straight down to imitate Greedo hitting the table, right? Yes. Yeah. So tell me what happens. First of all, when the movie started, What? remember when you see those two ships that are flying? Yeah. What did you think? They were so cool. What did you think about Darth Vader's ship? What did you tell me? It was so big. I didn't think it was ever going to end. Because it was so huge, wasn't it? Yes. And then, who do we see? Princess Leia. And what did she do? Put the plans in RTD2. That's right. And then uh, what happened to Princess Leia? Got captured. Remember when they they blasted her that blue thing? What was that? She died asleep. Yeah, she got stunned. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then they went to, they went into, what did the C-3PO and R2-D2 get into to escape? A state pod. That's right. And then where did they go? What planet? Tatooine. That's right. And then what happened? Jawas came. What did the Jawas want to do? Sell those droids. They did. Why would they want to do something like that? I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. So then, who bought the droids? Luke. So then what happens when he's trying to fix the droid? When he's trying to fix R2-D2 and clean him, what happens? Princess Leia comes out. What does she tell him? Help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. That's right. So then they get into um, a vehicle to drive to find R2-D2. What kind of vehicle is it? Land speeder? Land speeder. And then what do they see? Sand people. Oh, how did they get rid of the sand people? Obi-Wan Kenobi stared them. Yeah, what kind of noise does he make? Can you make them? That's good. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi meets Luke, and what does he give Luke? A lightsaber. Oh, whose was that? His father's. That's right. What color? Ah, blue. Who, did you recognize any monsters in the cantina? Mm-hmm. Greedo and Loris, man. That's right. That's right. And then they meet, who do they meet in the cantina? Han Solo and Chewbacca. That's right. And why do they want to talk to them? Because... Best friends. They're friends, and what do they want Han Solo and Chewbacca to do? Help them. Yeah, how are they going to help them? They drive the Minion Falcon. That's right. And they go super fast, remember? Yes. What does it look like when they go fast? A land speed of light. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then what happens when they see the Death Star? They go into it. How come they go into it? Why don't they run away? Because it sucks them in. Oh, well, how does it do that? Daddy. What's, what's it called? A desktop. No, a tractor beam? Tractor beam. Remember when you played that game to try to do it? Who shuts off the tractor beam in the Death Star? Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's right. And then what do Han and Luke do so they can sneak around? Um, Death Star themselves as stormtroopers. Yeah, and does it work? Yes. And then, and then what do they do? Save Princess Leia. Oh, yeah. Do you remember what Princess Leia says when she sees Luke? No. <laughs> Ooh, and then one of your favorite parts. They find the dragon battle. What happens in there? Luke gets caught by the monster. Oh, does he get? Does he escape? Yes. Oh, what does the monster do? He tries to eat them. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Good thing they got away. And then what happens with the trash compactor walls? They don't together. That's right. And they would be smashed by pancakes. <laughs> That's right. And then how do they get saved? Um, 3PO um, saved them. That's right. C3PO and R2D2. That's right. And, oh, and then what happens with Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi? They fight. What happens when they fight? Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to the Force. That's right. What happens when. So when he hits Obi-Wan Kenobi's cloak what happens to it it falls yeah it does fall it does fall but then he still talks to luke how does he do that still alive oh through the force oh yeah and then the millennium falcon escapes and all those tie fighters chase him that's an exciting part when we watched that part you were jumping up and down weren't you yeah how come because i was so excited that the millennium falcon would win yeah and it did i think mm-hmm. luke and han solo used the the cannons on the yeah. millennium falcon mm-hmm. 
And then what happens at the end of the movie? Um, Darth Vader is chasing after Luke. And what kind of ship? TIE Fighter. Yes. And then, how does Luke escape? Han Solo. Did he, what did he do to Darth Vader? He was rolling around all around. Oh, in space? And then how does Luke destroy the Death Star? Obi-Wan Kenobi said use the Force. Good job. That's so right. Thank you. You're welcome. And then what happens at the end? And you asked me about this too, remember? Um, they all did medals. Except Chewie, because he's too tough. Now, the day that we watched the movie, remember when I told you you were going to watch it for the first time on New Year's Day? What did you think when you when I told you you were going to get to watch it? It was just going to be a way too late. But then? It wasn't. Yeah, and then... Afterwards, we got out our old Kenner toys, and then we played the a Star Wars Escape from the Death Star game, Yeah. the old Kenner game, and listened to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That's lots of Star Wars, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you glad? Yeah. What's your favorite thing about watching Star Wars with me? Every part. Every part? Well, I'm really glad that you got to watch this with me. That was really fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And we got to watch it again tonight. So you've seen it two times now. Is it better the second time? Yes. Really? How come? Because it was even cooler because it didn't have Jabba in it. Oh, that's right. The second time we watched the original version, didn't we? Just so you could see what the non-special edition looked like. This probably means nothing to you right now, but it means a lot to me. And someday you'll really think it's pretty cool, I bet you. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Star Wars? Nope. Nope? Well... Thanks for so much for being on Coffee with Kenobi again. You're welcome. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are the podcast you're looking for. This is... <laughs> Before we close out the show, I want to thank our CWK sponsor, the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collecting App from Tops. Please support them in the way to support our podcast. And remember to listen to new and archived shows of Coffee with Kenobi wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Spreaker, Overcast, Blog Talk Radio with their mobile-friendly app, Player FM, our Coffee with Kenobi website, www.coffeewithkenobi.com, or wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite shows. And if you listen to the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Tumblr, and we'd love for you to check us out there. And while you're at it, be sure to listen to our CWK family of shows, too, including Legends Library, Rebels Reactions, Comics with Kenobi, and Lattes with Leia. Please leave a review for each of their shows as well, and be sure to subscribe to each of them individually, as they all have their own iTunes feeds right now. Thanks to Scott Murray and Tyler Wiggins for joining us today. Where can listeners find you and your contributions to Star Wars fandom? Scott, let's start with you. Uh, well, I am on Twitter at Mr. Scott Murray. And, of course, um, Assembly of Geeks is at assemblyofgeeks.com, uh, where we run all kinds of geek programming. I would say most of our Star Wars talk comes uh, during the Geek Supreme, which is our part talk show, part game show that runs every Tuesday. Uh, but I also know our show, Superhero Therapy, has also spent some time uh, on Star Wars as well. And I think... Yeah, Comic Book Noob even covered uh, Dr. Aphra in one of our recent episodes. I love that superhero therapy. Love that. Yeah, it's a cool (laughs) show. And Tyler, what about you? Well, if people want to give me a shout, they can um, contact me on Twitter at 
all-wheel drive AWD barefoot Jedi. And um, they can find me on Facebook, Tyler Wiggins. They just want to give me a shout, talk to me. Talk to me about Star Wars. Perfect. Well, I will put links to both of these things in the show notes. Thank you also to each and every one of you for listening to and supporting Coffee with Kenobi and for contributing to Star Wars Conversation. We will be back next week with two new co-hosts and more Star Wars discussion. This is the podcast you're looking for. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here.